All right, Justin. Do you remember the multiple choice segments of the game now? Yes, I think I do. Okay. All right, A, B, C, or D. I don't know if I have something for all those, but I'll wing it. I've never selected A, so we're going with A. All right, which is the traditional game, you know. It's going to be a, a music question revolving around this movie. Uh, Justin, what song reminds you most of just turning out the lights? And take that however you will. <laughs> turning out the lights. Um, hmm. Wow. Um I'm trying to think of a song that talks about darkness or something, but nothing is coming to mind. Oh my God, this is making me mad. There are so many songs that talk about darkness. Come on, Justin. You could even sing a song by the band, The Darkness, I suppose. Oh my God, this is, this is, this is making me mad. Man, Justin. I got nothing for Justin. this. I can't think of anything that's like dark themed. Like, Justin, as far as like lights out. Like I said, like I said, take it how you will. There are other things you can do in the dark. I'm just saying. What what song makes you think of that? That's all I'm saying. Uh, Metallica's one, there's a part where it's like darkness imprisoning me, all that I see, absolute horror. Although they're talking about like being on a battlefield, yeah. But just it said the word dark going it's unconscious. Just run with it. I guess it counts though, yeah, it just counts. Run with it. it says dark. There you go, yeah. All right, Justin, counts. you get a point. There you go. Yes, I didn't know we'd Thank have to struggle so fucking me. much on this. Thank one. you, save uh, me. All right, Heather, what about you? I mean, hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. There you go. Oh, why did I think of that one? I thought you were going to go with that one because I was like, then I got to think of something else. That's a good one. (laughs) See, I said, like I said, you guys can take it however you want. I'm going to take it as, and this would have been the most correct answer that would have gotten bonus points. As you're about to turn off the lights because you're going to fuck. And that's Ava Adore by Smashing Pumpkins. Not that that's a particularly sexy song. It's just a song I want to see in a movie in a sex scene. I don't know why. It's just no matter what, I want to see a movie that uses Smashing Pumpkins, Ava Adore as a fuck song. So. <laughs> okay. I mean, my my second option actually was I thought of the Pillow Talk song. That was like the second thing I thought of. See, there you go. You also could have done like a, a lullaby, any song that you would sing to get somebody to go to sleep. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But yes, you both get points because we haven't done this version of the game in a while. Even though Justin should get like half a point because you struggled way too fucking much. To oh, just come go, on. Just to go back to another Metallica song. 
I'm like, come on, I got it. Come on, we got, did. Come you on, did. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take a half a point away from you. I'm just saying you should, because you struggled too much it just to, to go graceful. back to Metallica I just, again. I made it to the finish line. You did. You did. You finished the race. But I just think it's funny that your default is like uh, a Metallica song, and it took you that long <laughs> to get to it. You could have done Enter Sandman. Now that I think about it, and it would have been applicable in a way. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I would have. Because you got to turn up those have. lights to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's why I tried to make it as vague as possible with take the whole, you know, darkness, turning out the light, whatever, however you want. Tried to give you leeway. Ugh. I guess let's start this episode. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Slayer. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new Warner Brothers Matt Reeves extravaganza the batman we will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler centric section i said that very weird like my my mouth got extra spitty when i said that (laughs) and i got a little tongue-tied so but everybody knows if you've heard this before you know what i'm saying anyway uh justin since you're the man with the batman cup uh, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on this here, The Batman? Yeah, I'm all jacked up, and I got my Batman cup. You guys are lucky there's no video because I would be throwing it all around the camera right now. But, um, no, I, I really enjoyed this. I think it's a, it's a really good Batman movie. I don't think it's the best Batman movie. That's still The Dark Knight. That is still the king to me, but this is now to me, one of the better ones. It it definitely is. I think, um, uh, I think in a lot of ways, this is, you could argue that this might be the most Batman movie that we've gotten out of a lot of, out out of a lot of the like live action, um, iterations of the Batman story we've seen over the years. Now, um, you know, animated, now when you get into animated, you know, it might be having a different conversation, but I think out of the live action movies, there are a lot of things I could say about this that are um, more Batman or at least more in the spirit of the comic book Batman than a lot of those other movies. Um, For one thing, I really like the detective aspect of this. I think that that's the biggest thing that I liked about this is that it plays like more of a noir style detective kind of movie. Uh, It gave me seven vibes. It gave me vibes of like the usual suspects and just movies like that where you've kind of essentially got these cops or these detectives following clues. 
this killer is leaving these tidbits and things like that. And that's sort of the the, the role that the Riddler kind of has here without saying too much. Um, I, I think that the the cinematography in this, the look of the film, um, you know, it's not like we haven't seen a dark themed Batman movie before, whether it was more of the goth style that Tim Burton brought us in the earlier films or whether it was kind of the Nolan trilogy. So we've seen like a darker themed Batman before, but I think that this kind of really took the, the gloom and the darkness of Gotham city to a level that I don't think those movies did. Like it really, this to me probably gave Gotham city the most character as far as how gloomy it is, how dark it is, how dangerous it seemed. Like it really seemed like a terrible city in this. Well, like, you know, in the other movies, it felt like they talked about it a lot. And of course you're seeing crime and things like that. But man, this really felt like a a bad place. It felt like the kind of place that would produce something like a Riddler, all these criminals, different things like that. So I think that there's something to be said for just how much more gloomy and just dismal this Gotham seemed than other Gotham's that we've seen in other movies. So I think there's something to be said for that. Um, For all the flack that Robert Pattinson got for whether or not he was going to do a good job at this, whether or not he was going to be a good Batman, this, that, and the other, I thought he was a great Batman. I, I really thought that he was. And there's a distinction that has to be made because this story is about a Batman that's only been doing this a couple of years. So he's inexperienced. He's still grieving over his parents and everything. We're not too far removed from the death of his parents. And he's still kind of trying to figure out what kind of Batman he needs to be. You know, he hasn't, this is a story where this is a Batman who hasn't figured it all out yet. So I really appreciated the arc of this Batman, like where he starts and the and where he arrives, I think is one of the better arcs I've seen for the character. You know, normally he's, you know, whatever he is at the beginning, he usually just is kind of that at the end. You know what I mean? With few changes here and there. To me, this was kind of the first film to kind of have him have a mentality. And then we wind up somewhere where I think is better. Um for the character by the end of it, I think I, I really, or at least a more satisfying arc for him. There have been other arcs for Batman, but to me, this was the most, one of the more satisfying ones. Um, Paul Dano, I'm a fan of Paul Dano. And um, I think he does a great job as, as the Riddler here. Now this Riddler is nothing like <laughs> the Riddler I'm familiar with in the comics. And this is a far cry from the Jim Carrey Riddler. Um, in the older Batman movies, this this was more of a sadistic, uh, twisted, but cruel, but um, very smart, but had a purpose kind of Riddler. And I like what he did, what they did with him in this movie. I think that he was also a good antithesis for Batman and um, 
And overall, what winds up happening in the story, I, overall, I was um, satisfied with. Um, other than that, the film, last thing I'll say about it is that the film has some very good action set pieces. Um, the car chase scene was amazing. I thought it was great. Um, and and a lot of this movie is just made by the way that it looks and the way that it was shot. I mean, r- the director just did such a great job with how he captured Batman, how he captured the city, how he did some of the action sequences, um, some of the set pieces in this. I really think that the look of this is probably the 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 best thing about it. Now the movie does have some flaws. I do I, I do wonder if every scene was necessary. It's not as tight knit of a screenplay as something like The Dark Knight or something like that. So I do think that while this is a good movie, the movie does have flaws that I think prevent it from being the best Batman movie. But overall, I, I really enjoyed it, and it is a very good Batman movie. Uh, Heather, what about you? So I'm somewhat conflicted because there are some things that I thought were really good, but um, there are some things that I really wish could have been done better. Um, I do agree with you, Justin, that I don't think it's the best Batman. And I do think Dark Knight is the best one. Um, and it's hard not to compare, right? Like anytime there's a new Batman movie, you want to like compare it with the other ones you've seen and the version of Batman that you've seen. So that was just inevitable. That was just going to happen no matter what. <laughs> but um, I think that one of my biggest problems with it, and I do actually like thinking about it more and sort of you know, the reminder that you had of, you know, he's only been doing this a few years and all of this at this point. I feel like he didn't really have much of a personality. Like Batman didn't really have much personality. And that's not the fault of Robert Pattinson's performance, because I agree. I think that he was a good Batman. He did a good job. I don't think he did anything wrong with what he was given. Um, I just feel like I would have liked, especially for as much screen time, as Pattinson gets in this, I would have liked to have seen more um, just dynamic in his personality. And I guess that that's, it probably was the choice of the script and how it was written. And he's brooding and he's, he's, um, you know, going through this thing where he wants vengeance and, you know, he's doing his job as Batman. And so that's probably why he's not like, you know, this charismatic or charming, you know, Bruce Wayne side either. But I just think that it could have been beneficial to put a little bit more um, personality in him. But I do think he was a good, like it, it, has, it was nothing to do with his performance. His performance as Batman was good. Um, I think all of the characters were... I mean, they had a solid cast of people in this movie. Like everybody was so good. Like, I agree. I think Paul Dano was really good. I'm a big fan of him, too. I think he's a really good actor. And I mean, Colin Farrell is unbelievable as the Penguin. Like he's unbelievable. Um, And I'm a a little bit bummed out there was not more of him in it. (laughs) Like in the moments he was in it, he really just stole the show. But I think that they could have done a little bit more with him. Um, Zoe Kravitz was great. You know, everybody did a good job. 
in this movie um, as far as, you know, portraying the characters well. But I do think it was overly long. I think that it kind of dragged. Um, I know some people are saying, you know, it was very cohesive and it flowed well. I don't agree with that. I don't think it really did flow super well. Um, and it was also just a very dark movie as far as like figuring out what's going on on screen because of the lighting. But um, I do think I agree that it's a, a really great like crime thriller story and movie. That being said, it actually works as a crime thriller movie, regardless of if it's a Batman movie. I don't think it needed to be a Batman movie to be a good crime thriller movie. So if I'm looking at it from the perspective of a crime thriller, yeah, it's good. Still too long, but good. Um, as a Batman movie, it's still good, but a little bit less so because I just, I guess maybe it's part of me comparing it to the other Batman movies or whatever, but it, it works as a crime thriller movie in general. It doesn't need to be Batman. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> like, I guess that that's a testament to, you know, a good story or movie is it didn't need to be this character for it to be a good movie. But that being said, it. I, I don't know, like I just that I guess I would say because of that, that's why it's not the best Batman movie, because it didn't need to have Batman to be a good movie in a sense, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but. Yeah, it um but I I didn't hate this movie. I just think it was a very long movie and I think it did kind of drag in parts where it didn't need to. And um but I do think it's beautifully shot. I think they did um you know some good there were there were some good action moments and just the character dynamics between them was really good. Um yeah, I I think that there were some good aspects to it that I know we'll get into, but it was fine. It was a fine movie. It was decent. I would say. Um, yeah, but definitely not my favorite of the Batman movies, but nothing to do with Batman himself in it. If that makes sense. Um, holy lingering shots, Batman. This, this movie is full of just, lingering lingering shots that i don't necessarily add to too much other than the three-hour fucking runtime of this movie i mean it i think justin was being a little generous when he said you could cut some scenes out i there's a lot you can cut out of this movie that just pads it i i am not without going into a spoiler i'm not a fan of this the ending of this movie at all it uh Kind of Lord of the Rings you a little bit. It has like 15 fucking endings. Just kind of coming one after another after another. And I'm like, at some point this movie does need to actually fucking end. That'd be fantastic. Uh, and, it, and this movie needs a light bulb. Just a light bulb. Just somewhere in the fucking movie. Just to, you know, not have this entire movie. Yeah. Just be an exercise in how little can we actually show on a screen and call it a movie. It's infinitely too fucking dark. It's unrealistically dark. I understand that when you're in a cinema, it looks fantastic. Guess what? Home TV screens cannot mimic this. When this movie comes out for home purchase, you're going to buy it. 
And if you have a light source, I don't know, within 10 miles of your house that's on, it's going to glare out your screen and you're not going to see a damn thing fucking on this. Like it's utterly ridiculously too dark. I understand it's all for tone and mood and all this other stuff. But what's going to happen is this movie's going to come out on Blu-ray or DVD or 4K that you can fucking, you know, get on iTunes or whatever. And, um, you know, people are going to start complaining that they can't fucking see it. And then Matt Reeves and the cinematographer are going to be like, well, you need to put your TV on this setting and this setting and this setting, blah, blah, blah. Just like they fucking did in the Battle, Battle of Winterfell episode in Game of Thrones. Whenever that episode came out and everybody's like, it's too fucking dark. I can't see it on my TV. And they were like, well, you need to, you know, learn how to adjust your TV settings to do this and this and this because we filmed it to be shown in a movie theater because it's a fucking TV show. It's just, it's going to be the same bullshit with this. It's going to be impossible to fucking see on anything because it's too damn dark. And that works in a movie theater because the light source is a projector. It doesn't work when the light is coming from the TV screen. It's going to fucking glare out. It's going to be terrible viewing experience at home. And I do think that that's the fault of the movie makers. You, this is fucking 2022. How long have things been fucking coming to home video? Like we can't keep going. Nope. I only make my movies for a a fucking movie theater. And then, you know, they suck. If you ever watch it anywhere else, it's a fucking tiresome excuse at this point. If you're a good movie maker, guess what? You can make it to where it could do both. And I'm going to tell you now, like I said, this film's going to be too dark. It's going to be miserable to watch at home. Not that it's going to be impossible. Maybe, I don't know, in 20 years, TVs will catch up to it and maybe it'll be watchable then, but it's too fucking dark. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, other than that, it's a fine Batman movie. It is. It's a fine Batman movie. I know a lot of people are sitting there like, oh, it's the most Batman-y Batman thing I've ever watched on a fucking movie theater and all this other stuff. Maybe, but... That's also a ridiculously weird thing to say, because how many versions of Batman have we had in the comics throughout the decades? You can argue that Batman 66, the, Bat- the Adam West Batman movie, was also the most Batman-y movie you could ever fucking watch in a movie theater. Because based on the comics at the time, that was insanely accurate Batman. You know, so it's, it's a weird connotation when people are like, oh, this is the most Batman thing. Of-. No, it's not. Batman has been evolving since, what, 1939 when he debuted in comics? To just try to pin Batman down to one version of Batman at any given point in time when, like I said, he's been around for, fuck, 80-something years at this point? That's ridiculous to actually say to me. You know, it might be the most Batman version of a Batman story you've seen. You know, if you're comparing this to say something like uh, a long Halloween. Yeah. This is a very long Halloween-y Batman. But this isn't the same Batman, you know, that was running around in comics in 1982. That version of Batman's just as uh, justified as, you know, that, you know, the Batman you're talking about. So I do think it's weird when people say that. And do I think it's the best live action Batman movie? I don't know because I'm really actually trying to think of what I would call the best live action Batman movie. I get why people say the dark Knight, but I think in retrospective, I think dark Knight also has a lot of problems and stuff like that. And also looking at the Nolan trilogy at the time, undisputed heavyweight champ when it comes to Batman, 
But I think if you look at the effects that the Nolan trilogy had on the movie industry, when it especially came to comic book movies, for so long it became a, oh, we need dark and gritty this, dark and gritty that, it needs to be a realistic dark and gritty this. And that kind of fucking didn't help comic book movies at all for a very long time. It kind of, you know, gave us a lot of shitty ones. So I see that, the, you know, there's effects with all that other stuff. I mean, to me, though, the best Batman movie, I'm going to cheat a little bit. It's not live action. It's fan, uh, uh, Mask of the Phantasm. That's the best Batman movie out there to me. It's fucking fantastic. And it feels just like a comic book because, you know, it's animated. Haha, <laughs> tricked everybody. Infinitely more comic accurate than a fucking Batman live action. Let's give you that much. Or what's that other one, Justin? That Mr. Freeze one, too. Fucking bomb ass movie. Yeah, that was good. And Mask of the Phantasm is one of the. Oh, sorry. Is one of the best Batman movies. It is. It would be right up there. It would have to be right up there in the top. Like if there was a Rushmore, Phantasm would probably be there. You know, definitely. I'd put it on the Rushmore Batman movies. I was talking on mute. Yes, uh, but I really do. I mean, I, I get why people like this movie. But at the same time, I think there's so much about this movie that I think was handled incredibly poorly. A, without getting, once again, without being too spoilery about it, Batman and the Batmobile both have a weirdly similar debut. Like with how they debut those themselves or itself or however you want to word it in this movie and i will say this while i do like the the car chase scene that batman or that uh Justin talked about i do think the lead up to it was incredibly weird i mean this is kind of specific but i don't care it's a weird scene he revs the batmobile for like 27 minutes before that car chase scene starts it is so long of just sitting there revving that fucking car and everybody's just like running around like, Oh, let me get in my car and all this. Like, why is Batman sitting around waiting for other people to get in their cars and get all their shit together before he fucking does anything? He's just sitting there for so fucking long. I didn't get it. And then, and then they go on this car chase, which is a very good car chase scene. I, I will give it that. But then Matt Reeves is running around all fucking proud of himself because there is a scene and this is not a spoiler because it's in the trailer where the penguin is driving away from an obvious explosion that just happened and the Batmobile flies through the flames and he's like, oh no, and is still getting chased. And Matt Reeves is like, yeah, yeah, we did that practically. I'm like, cool, you've been doing something they've been doing in movies since 1962 with cars jumping through flames. That's not a cinematic achievement at this point. Quit being proud of yourself for doing basic fucking filmmaking. Like, Get the fuck over it. I know other people might have CGI'd it. You didn't. That still doesn't mean anything because that's a very basic fucking concept of it. Go watch fucking Blues Brothers from the early 80s. You'll see 97,000 cars do the exact same fucking thing they did in this movie. Are we give, like giving them a standing ovation because they did it practically? No, it's the same fucking bullshit. Get off your own dick, Matt Reeves. You're not special for doing a practically shot fucking car jump. 
Ugh. And uh, I mean, going back to some of this other stuff, I get what Heather's saying about Batman not having a personality. And there is a weirdness about his Bruce Wayne that I think is understood with the idea or theory that he's not good at being Bruce Wayne yet. He's kind of, you know, figuring out how to be both Batman and Bruce Wayne, and he's more comfortable as Batman. Therefore, he is awkward as Bruce Wayne. Cool. And I know a lot of people are jumping on that theory and all this other stuff, but the movie doesn't directly say it. The movie kind of hints towards it a lot, but doesn't directly say anything. So it is no more than a theory. And that could have been solved if you had one line to a conversation that he was having with Alfred. And he could have just been like, hey, you got to do both better. And I'm not saying that that would have had to fix anything, but you could have acknowledged that aspect of it. That because they were talking about doing that aspect of it at that point in the movie. I am getting a little spoilery, so I'm going to spin off that a little bit and go back. Um, Colin Farrell was great. I mean, he really is. He's, He's a fucking chameleon in this movie with that. If you did not know that was Colin Farrell, you would not know it. He's just 100% utterly fantastic and hidden and just, I I saw an interview where he was kind of nervous to do the prosthetics because he's never really done prosthetics in a lot of his movies. He kind of did in Horrible Bosses too, but he's never really done a lot of uh, prosthetics. And then he was talking about how he got in this and he felt like it was actually kind of freeing because he's like, it's not me. And so he was able to do more. He felt like he was able to do more, you know, because of the makeup. So that's you know, a really interesting concept with it. And he does a fantastic job. Zoe Kravitz, fantastic job. Fantastic Catwoman. Paul Dano, fantastic Riddler for at least this version of the Riddler. Maybe it wouldn't have worked as another Riddler, but this version of it, he does a very good job of portraying that Riddler. Robert Pattinson is a fine, fine fucking Batman. I've got really no issues with his version of Batman per se. You know, like I said, the Bruce Wayne's a little weird, but there may be an explanation behind it or a reasoning behind it. So let's just kind of give it, you know, a pass on that. Uh, John Turturro as Falcone. Great. Fucking fantastic. Whatever. Um, and then you have Andy Serkis as Alfred. And I'm disappointed because I can't necessarily say that uh, Andy Serkis did a great job as Alfred. I don't know. He's on the fucking screen for 30 fucking seconds. I don't know. He's barely in the fucking movie. What was the fucking point of casting somebody like that? You're not going to be the fucking movie. Jesus Christ. But at the same time, so many people in this movie, I'm saying all that about all these people. No one is in the movie more than six minutes outside of Robert Pattinson. No one. Just no. Oh, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright, great, fantastic commissioner uh, or Lieutenant Gordon, whatever. Yeah, no one's in the fucking movie more than six minutes other than Robert Pattinson. Everyone else just splits six minutes throughout their fucking three hour long runtime. And it's just Robert Pattinson for the whole fucking movie. And you know what? That's kind of fine, whatever, because it is, you know, okay, you're focusing Batman on being a Batman movie, whatever, that's fine. But why are we putting so many characters in this movie to do some of the things? You actually didn't need them. You could have not had Colin Farrell be the fucking penguin and that just be a general fucking mob guy. It kind of works the same as far as the overall plot of this movie. And then you could have had Colin Farrell be the penguin in another movie. It's, it's not necessarily needed to be some of the characters that they are and it's so much of this movie isn't needed there's a big plot point that i'll get into in spoilers that doesn't need to be in this movie you could have actually worded it better and you would have avoided some bullshit and you probably could have cut off a half an hour of the fucking runtime of this movie and it would have saved a lot they have just so many threads in this movie constantly going that 
I, I disagree with anybody that says this movie fucking flowed great in any way, shape, or form. It was kind of very cut, like chopped up and cutty with all this stuff because it'd go like, oh, we're doing this storyline. No, we're doing this one. Now it's back to this one. Now we're doing this other side story. Now we're back to this. I mean, they just bounced all over the fucking place. And they did it throughout the full three hours of this movie. I'm, I'm kind of sitting there fucking miserable because I'm just like, at what point is this movie actually going to fucking cohese itself into a full fucking fledged film instead of being essentially a hundred parts chopped up into a movie where each part's great, but they don't all fucking actually go together. I was not really enjoying that. And also, you know, I know they were really wanting to lean on the, the detective Batman. He didn't really, I know I kind of disagree that they did too much with him actually being a detective. Most of the detecting of it was him standing there and solving a riddle. That was kind of it. He didn't detect too much else. He kind of lucked into a bunch of stuff. And there's a weird fascination with stool pigeons in this movie. The word stool pigeon is said more in this movie than it's ever been said in the history of humanity. They just said it so much and it was rather bothersome. And, oh, you know, and my point with bringing up the whole detective side of it was there's not a lot of punchies in this. There wasn't a lot of punchy, punchy, fisty, fisty, Batman-y stuff. There's some of it. And some of it was very nice. But there's really not a lot of action in this movie in any way, shape, or form. It's very action sparse. And, you know, that could be okay, but... It kind of reminded me a little bit of Superman Returns. Where, like, Superman doesn't punch anyone in that movie. I understand Superman's a Boy Scout and all, but you've got a Superman movie and it's very light on any action other than he gets lit up by a minigun and they all bounce off him and then he carries a kryptonite island. That's all the action and Superman returns. And I kind of feel that this suffered a little bit from the same scenario. That, you know, action in a superhero movie does a great function of kind of blending scenes together or helping the runtime not feel drastically long because it can it can fasten up the pace a little bit. Whereas this, the, the pace was just dreadful to me. But overall, like I said, it's not a bad movie. It's a fine, fine fucking movie. I can't hate on it completely. I can't say it's terrible in any way, shape, or form because it's not. It'd be disingenuous to say this is a terrible movie. I didn't quite enjoy it as much as I felt like I should or Felt like I would have if it was done a little better or some things were different, but overall, it's a fine, fine, very fine movie. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yep. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I mean, it. It was definitely a good enough movie to feel like I recommend watching it at least once. Um, You just have to be prepared for a very long movie, a three hour movie. But there were some good elements to it. And just to see this take on the Batman is interesting, you know. Um, And and for what it's worth, I mean, just the the type of movie that it is, is interesting. So, yeah, I recommend it. Um, Again, it's not. 
it's not a bad Batman movie. It's actually, I mean, for me, I, I'd put it definitely like, like I would say for me, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and then this one probably. Um, well, maybe tied with the first um, Michael Keaton Batman, but either way, um, yeah, it's not it's not bad at all. Like it's it's just long. It's it's long and it's a little bit um, lagging and not super it doesn't really flow as well as i would like it to but yeah i do think um yeah definitely some things that could have been done differently but it's it's worth one watch for sure um hmm. i'm gonna give this i'll give it um 70 motorcycle rides at the um in the darkness in the night out of 100 justin what about you yeah um i definitely recommend it um i guess i'm just kind of on the other side of that i didn't have too many problems with the story i didn't have too many problems with how the narrative comes together i thought that for what it was and for the characters that they did, they it set up certain characters for later movies. And then with the characters that they dealt with in this narrative, I think everything turned out pretty well. There were some things that happened that I didn't expect to happen. You know, there were some things that it surprised me on. Um, and I mean, I was cool with the, um, if you can say few action scenes, although, I mean, I think there was enough action. I didn't feel it was devoid of it, but I liked it being more of a cerebral Batman. This was more of a bat brain movie than it was bat brawn. So I was fine with that because if you read the comics, uh, there are a lot of stories where that is the way Batman is, you know, that that's the way he is. And I think that, for a lot of people, especially like comic book fans, and, and that's the reception that I've been seeing from this. I think that people who are used to the more mainstream kind of Batman where Bruce Wayne is this way and Batman is this way and everything like that. And they're kind of used to that character kind of being the same every time. This is a bit of a shock because this is kind of a more darker kind of more grounded, kind of more, I think, believable portrayal of what the character would be, especially starting off. You know what I mean? And I think that if you're a comic book fan, there are comics where he is like this and you will appreciate some of that. I think, um, uh, and, and I think, um, like, like everybody has said, I mean, everybody, every actor in this did such a great job. Um, and in some ways better than their counterparts. I think this Batman has the best Catwoman. I think I can say that. I really liked Zoe Kravitz in this. I think that now she's my favorite Catwoman. Like she had an arc, she had a story, she had a motivation and she wasn't licking herself and <laughs> she didn't fall off a building and get bit by cats Justin. and get cat powers. Justin. So. I'm I'm totally so I really like this cat woman. I am you offended know. that you are upset with Michelle Pfeiffer licking herself in that damn costume. You are out of your damn mind. <laughs> no, 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 don't get me wrong. Michelle Pfeiffer, I, I still love that portrayal. And Michelle Pfeiffer 
really just brought it in that role and really just like she really gave that role everything. But I think that that role is so iconic because she gave such an effort. But guys, let's not let's be real. It is not iconic because of the story of it. It just isn't. You know, half the time she was flipping around, looking cute, and get, she got bit by cats and got her powers. And she was a secretary that suddenly could jump and flip around. And she literally had nine lives. Guys, let, let's just be real. It was kind of stupid. Like, it was fantastic. What's great about it is that the performance is good in spite of the narrative. That's what Michelle Pfeiffer is. This one, you get a great performance and you get a narrative to go with it. So I side with Zoe Kravitz. I think that this is now my favorite Catwoman. But all that being said, the movie looks great. It's, it's, it's a very good superhero movie. And like I said, I think that where the characters want start and then where this Batman especially winds up. I think it was good. I think it winds up being a very good superhero movie. And like I said, I think it's one of the better like Batman movies. And I think that since we know there are going to be sequels and other movies starring this Patterson Batman, like if I'm looking at the beginning Batman movies, like, cause you know, you've got these eras of Batman and normally there's that movie that starts it off. Like you have Batman 89, which of course started then, of course you had Batman Returns and stuff like that. So Batman 89, you, you take that one. Then you take Batman Begins, which is like the, the Nolan one and how that started off. And then you have this one. And I think that out of those three, this might be the best kind of starting off point for a Batman franchise. I think that this one has a lot of room to grow, to grow. I like the way that it set up things. I like what it did with, I like the acting I saw from everyone. This film series, I think has a lot of promise. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And I think that people who watch this will enjoy it for the most part. Um, my score is going to be, we'll go with 88. Um, Batman literally hitting people with a bat out of a hundred. I do agree with you, Justin, that as far as your comic book fan base watching this movie, a majority of them are going to enjoy this movie. The problem with me in that aspect of it is Batman has been so much in our popular culture as not solely a comic book property that I don't think it is as smart to make a movie for comic book fans. I think non-comic book movie fans or non-comic book fans that might just watch it because it's a Batman movie are going to have a few more issues with it than that. Part of it being the run length. I think that that's wrong with it. Part of it that there's not enough action. There's like three fight sequences in this entire mo- movie, really. And it kind of, you know, it's something you kind of need in a Batman movie to kind of, like I said, push the pace a little bit. And I just, I don't see this being a movie. I don't think this will end up being as fondly remembered as Batman Begins. 
right now, I don't. The sequels of this, though, could push that to me being wrong on that. When they come with the sequels to this, because you know we're going to get them, that could change a lot. You know, if they really, you know, how they develop this Batman and this Bruce Wayne and this Gotham and all this stuff throughout the sequels could drastically change the lasting opinion of this first movie. You know, this second one could come out and it could blow everything out the water. And I could then look back on the Batman and be like, Oh, I was wrong on it. You know, I was, I, I now see what they were setting up for the whole universe right now, though, with what we got, I'm not terribly excited about it. And right now, without there being a sequel or anything like that, I can't honestly tell you that I'll ever watch this Batman movie again. It's just not something I don't feel like I want to watch again or sit through again. And apparently there's a four hour cut of this movie. What the fuck did they cut out to cut out an hour? Because I don't feel like they cut much out. There's so much in this movie. And, you know, so it's it's one of those things that, like, especially if I'm going to watch it at home, I don't know if I want to. Because, like I said, it's going to be just a fucking glared out mess. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not terribly excited about that. I'm not as hyped about future sequels as I was after a Batman Begins. After I was after a Batman 89. But like you said, Justin, there is a lot of potential here. There's a lot of places they can go. There's a lot of growth they can have. They could bring some stuff into the movies that we haven't gotten before that would be very fantastic. You know, this this type of Batman would be great for a Court of Owls or something like that storyline. Or, you know, I'm not I'm definitely not excited about a Joker being in this universe because I do feel like this version of the Riddler and it is kind of a bad trope of the Riddler too. The Riddler and the Joker can almost be the same character at times. You know, they they a little they kind of encroach on each other's sensibilities and a little bit of stuff. Where like the the Riddler is just asking a riddle, riddle, fucking Joker's telling a joke, and but it's they kind of can encroach a little bit. And as homicidal as this Riddler was. I think that that was slightly encroaching. So the idea of a Joker in this universe doesn't excite me. But at the same time, I'd be perfectly fine that even though they had a Joker in this movie for a little bit, and they technically have him cast if they do a future movie with it, I'd actually kind of be fine if this trilogy went the whole way without a Joker. I know a lot of things try to do that the Joker is the other side of the coin to Batman every time and all this other stuff, but there would be something to be said about doing a trilogy of movies without the Joker being in them, like as an active thing. That's that's an interesting concept to me, and I would really like to possibly see something with that. It's just, I don't know. The, the, I think a second movie would really be what defines this movie to me, because if they don't really take what they set up here and build upon it and legitimately build upon it, and also, I don't know, maybe have something happen in the daytime because apparently in Gotham, nothing happens at all during the day. Just the entire town goes to sleep during the daytime and nothing ever fucking happens. It's just nighttime only in Gotham. It's like a weird Alaskan city, but instead of it being daylight for nine months straight, it's darkness for six months. 
And it's so rainy there. How's like my allergies would be going ballistic with the amount of mildew and mold in that fucking city. I could never live in that Gotham. But we'll see. Honestly, because like I said, I'm really pissed with how little they used Andy Serkis in this movie. So pissed. He is one of my absolute favorite actors out there. And they just. They just wasted him. They wasted an Andy Serkis. And I, and I still feel that way after watching Venom 2. So that says a lot about how I feel about Andy Serkis. So we'll just really kind of see. I, like I said, just right now, having just watched this and that's all we have right now. I'm going to give this movie a 65. Uh, a 65. He just beats the fuck out of a bunch of regular ass dudes like multiple times in this movie. Just beats the fuck out of them. Just decimates regular ass humans out of a hundred. Uh, spoilers. Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. Now, one thing you brought up earlier, Justin, is you brought up that he's still, he's not as far removed from the death of his parents as maybe in other Batman movies. Um, but he would still be like 12 or 13 years away from it. When his parents have died, because at least canonically and stuff like that, he they die when he's like I think seven or eight in most versions of it. Um, you know, so he would have been fairly removed from it. But my problem with it is, is I actually thought the beginning of this movie, like very early in this movie, I thought I was wrong. I thought we weren't going to get just an hour of this movie dedicated. To his parents being murdered. I thought I was wrong. I was like man I misjudged it. You know what. This movie did it. They're not going to fucking do this to me. Greatness. And then they did. They just said. Tricked you Sterling. We're going to spend so much of this movie. Talking about the death of his parents. So much of this movie. Dedicated to the death of his parents. And all this other bullshit. And I didn't really think that any of that. Was completely necessary. At all. Like the whole. Because they even got rid of the idea or the concept of the Joe Chill, which to me is what actually is the most impactful aspect of a Batman story arc. That if you have it be a Joe Chill, some random fucker that kills his parents just because he wanted some pearls. To me, that is the more impactful version of the origin because that just kind of showed that while there is a lot of big and bad and terrible crime in Gotham, there's also just regular ass fucking crime that it doesn't have to be some fucking bid bad like the Joker or a Carmine Falcone or any of that to lead to the death of the most the, the, the biggest family in the in, in Gotham. It can just be a regular motherfucker. That's how corrupt Gotham really is. And I think that that is the better version of that origin story. Because that shows that Batman has to work on so many levels to actually make an impact in Gotham. Yeah, you can take down the big bads all you want. But if you're also not stopping or fixing or helping to get rid of the little crime and the normal everyday nine to five criminal type. You're not really going to change the situation that caused your parents to die. And there's a lot more layers to it. And it gives the idea of Bruce Wayne having some more urgency 
to do more philanthropy and, and charity and all these other things to also affect Gotham on a ground level too. This movie kind of gets rid of that when it's just like, oh, well, fuck it. It was Carmine Falcone all along. It was one of his guys. Okay, and then oh, all this, oh, the Waynes were corrupt too, and the Arkhams, and this and that, and all this and that. You're just throwing so many fucking things out there. That part of the movie really felt like they were like cooking spaghetti, and they were doing the whole thing of that old wives' tale way of telling if your spaghetti's cooked if you toss it on the wall while it's cooking. If you just take some spaghetti out of the pot and throw it on the wall and it sticks, that you know, oh, your pasta's done. It really kind of felt like they were doing some of that in that aspect. They're just like, oh, we're going to have Thomas Wayne be bad. And then the, the Falcons and the Arkhams are bad, too. And, oh, we're going to ever so not subtly throw in Hush right in the middle of all this and blah, blah, blah. And they just kept throwing fucking pasta at the wall, hoping for something to stick at a certain point. And I thought that that was a very big detriment to this movie. I don't really think that that added too terribly much to this movie. Now. The one thing I will give to that storyline is it gave Alfred his best scene in the movie when he's in the hospital and he's talking to Bruce Wayne about it. And you actually get to see Andy Serkis do some acting. I thought that was fantastic. But did I need all the bullshit to lead up to that? No, not really. I think that that I just think it detracts from a lot of what the real potential of a Batman to be. But then, like I said, they just threw so much of it out there. And spent so long going, oh, yep, the Wayne's death, the Wayne's death. We're going to make the Wayne's dying a big part of this fucking storyline, too. Because, God forbid, we go a Batman movie without having to talk about the Wayne's fucking dying for a fucking hour. Because it really was. It was like an hour, the middle hour of this movie was all that shit. And then, of course, the Riddler had to be tied into it. Because, you know, they also can't do anything in a Batman story that doesn't tie back to something else. And it's always interconnected to this and that and this and that and then that. There's all these interconnectivity points where, oh, Falcone is Catwoman's mom and the Riddler was a fucking orphan at a Wayne thing and this and that. And then, you know, it's just all these fucking things are always all interconnected. And it's just like so fucking tiresome that you can't have any other people that are just normal fucking people in some of these aspects of things. And I think the Joe, like I said before, the Joe Chill really kind of adds to that. And they have retcon Joe Chill a couple of times. They had, you know, 89 had him actually be the Joker and then there have been some versions where uh, Joe Chill was linked to the karma, uh, the Falcons and stuff like that, but they have at least the last I knew the last iteration of it was back to Joe Chill was just a normal motherfucker and did it. So I just kind of really was kind of bummed out by doing a lot of that stuff. And it, some of it, like I said, felt like they were like wanting to name drop so many things. Like I said, they name dropped hush. And they have the reporter named Elliot, so you might get a Thomas Elliot, which is hush, if anybody knows that. And then it just kind of becomes very tiresome with some of that stuff. I was really kind of bummed that they felt the need to jump into that part of the story. Um, Justin, you looked like you wanted to say something, so what did you want to say? Um, No, I was going to let you go keep going and finish, but... um. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I just looked at it a little differently. Um, I think that by the end of that, I didn't get the impression that even though they gave you a bunch of different stories and 
Bruce was trying to figure out, okay, so Maroney is responsible for my parents' death. And then it was like, no, I mean, we're not quite sure if it was them. And then when it came to Falcone, he was like, okay, so Falcone killed them. And and Andy Serkis said something. He was like, I wish I knew for sure. You know, it could have just been a random thug on the street. And they kind of left it open-ended. I don't feel that they definitively said it was this gangster or that gangster. They kind of left it exactly where it should be. It's still ambiguous. You still don't really, this Bruce still doesn't really know who did it. Like they covered that, yes, these could be some possibilities, but ultimately where they landed was nobody knows for sure. And so I was fine with it. And I liked what they did with the Waynes in this better than like what they did with like the Joker movie um, with Joaquin Phoenix where like that's fair. Bruce Wayne was just a total asshole. And the whole time he was just this fake politician running for, I like that in this movie, yes, they had some flaws. They did some things that were flawed, but when you get the whole story, you kind of feel like, okay, I can understand kind of what happened. He was, you know, Thomas Wayne was trying to protect his wife. He was just trying to get that reporter. He wanted to scare the reporter and they did the whole, well, you said to scare him, but you go to a, a crook and the crook kills him or whatever, which we've seen kind of that thing before, but I didn't mind the Wayne's having a little dirt because I liked what it did to the Bruce Wayne character. I like how that sort of kind of turned his world around and he sort of had to face that and realize. And I thought that that scene with Andy Serkis was so strong because of the conflicting nature of what Bruce Wayne found out about his parents. So I liked it. You know, they, they, they made, his, they grounded his parents a little bit because because in other stories, the Waynes are just this perfect, you know, his father and his mother were just two perfect rich people. And then, you know, and so that kind of inspires Batman to do what he's doing. I like kind of that little nugget that they threw in this story where guess what? They're not the squeaky clean parents. But they were still good parents. They were still good people. And I think that's why when when we get to Andy Serkis or this Alfred and he's telling that story and talking about Thomas Wayne and everything like that, I think that that was really heartfelt. And it kind of goes to show that to me, that was even more relatable. Like you don't have to have these perfect parents. You don't have to have this these great upstanding people to look up to, to wind up being something great yourself. You know, yes, you need some of those things, but I like that this was a Batman that kind of had to face that and understand that and see the flaws in them because then it made sense at the end when he sort of realized the flaw in himself and his approach to being Batman and everything like that. So I don't know, man, I was cool with it. I mean, I get that, but it's also 2022. We know that nobody gets to be a billionaire by being a fucking nice person. Like, we, we know exactly. This. Like, so we know this. Yeah. That's why I'm like, you can have them be, you know, like that those those tinges of dirt and things like that. 
without it also dedicating so much of the movie to it. Like that, I think that that's what really kind of bummed me out is this movie. I felt like started like was kind of bending my expectations of like, Oh, we don't have to delve into that aspect of him being fucking Batman so much. We don't have to sit for an hour of his parents fucking dying and all this shit. And this movie just kind of did it in a different way. And I don't necessarily feel like it was a better way than any of the other movies. At a certain point, I was just like sitting there thinking, man, just show him getting shot in an alley real quick. Just get it the fuck over with. You're just beating around the bush. Just do it. Like they were just doing everything but that at this point. And I was kind of bothered by it. But I do agree with you on that, though, Justin. It's infinitely better than the Joker portrayal of it all. Like, because the reason why that bothered me in the Joker is because the Waynes are supposed to be good people. They don't have to be perfect, like you said. They don't have to be perfect people, but they do need to be good people. And they just made fucking Thomas Wayne a bastard just to justify the fucking Joker being a piece of shit, too. I'm like, come on. That was a fucking bullshit premise. And I mean, I do agree with you, at least on that, Justin, that like, yes, that Andy Circus spiel that he does it is a fantastic Alfred speech it is probably one of my favorite Alfred speeches in a Batman movie, because I like the way that Alfred grounds the character. I mean, yeah. I say that the only two Alfreds we've had that are really worth a damn are now Andy Serkis and fucking, you know, Michael Caine. Mm. That old bastard in the 1989 Batman and all those four fucking movies. He wasn't doing shit. He wasn't doing <laughs> shit. He was the most enabling motherfucker. He just sat there like going, oh, hey, you Batman in the night? I'll put your soup in the fridge then. <laughs> he yeah. was just doing that shit constantly. That is so true. And then the Jeremy Irons one, which I think had a lot of potential, was also kind of an enabling bastard. While he did try to tamper Bruce Wayne a little bit, especially in Batman versus Superman with the whole idea of why are you know, your obsession with Superman? There was some potential in that. And I, you know, but ultimately in, in the end, he's just like, fuck it. I'll help man the guns and let's shoot a bunch of motherfuckers. Let's go. Like he was, <laughs> he was kind of the best and worst Alfred. He had that tempering effect, but then also was an enabling motherfucker like that old piece of shit. I say piece of shit. I'm sorry. Nothing to really trample on that guy. He was a fine Alfred, I guess, for those four piece of shit. Move. Well, two pieces. Well, they've got merits. Anyway, still the original Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher quadrilogy. He was a whatever Alfred. But like, oh, but he's also the worst Alfred. He had peg be a password. It's three fucking letters. Like that's the worst <laughs> password ever, Alfred. You can't have all the secrets of the the Bruce Wayne being a Batman with a three-letter word. The fuck kind of shit of security is that, Alfred? God, you suck. Anyway. Um, but I I liked aspects of this Andy Circus stuff. And like I said, it's one of the best Alfred speeches you're gonna get. But like I think he wasn't pushing him enough early in the movie to really kind of embrace being the Bruce Wayne. 
and I'm not saying that we needed to change the Bruce Wayne dynamic in this movie, but I think that they had set up some of the scenes early when he was talking about, Hey, you need to be, you know, you need to keep this part of your family's legacy alive and all this other stuff. He wasn't really pushing that stuff. I think like he realistically would have with how he felt about the Waynes, you know, like, why did he never tell Bruce, hey, maybe you should look over the renewal documents, you know, just give a peruse to the financial statements to this because apparently no one was. And I think that that actually would have been a great thing to have at the end of this movie to kind of really establish where he would be going in the future as Bruce Wayne and showing that potential of his understanding of being both Bruce Wayne and Batman is at the end of this movie, if he had a press conference and he was like, hey, it came to light that there hasn't been a lot of, you know, oversight to the renewal fund that my family had set up for Gotham. And it's been, you know, used and corrupted and all this other stuff. So here at Wayne Enterprises, we're going to look over the stuff and we're going to make sure that this money's actually going to where it needs to go instead of just lining the pockets of crooks and criminals like it's been doing for the last 20 years. That would have been a fantastic thing to have at this end of the movie. To, like I said, show that he's he's planning on or at least starting to show that he needs to also be a Bruce Wayne, too. You know, and to really develop that side of things, too. But no, they wanted to have 14 other endings instead because you had the ending of them catching the Riddler. And then you had the ending that the Riddler had another plan. And then you had the Riddler's, you know, bomb plan happen. And then you had the Riddler's other secret men plan happen. And then you had... Catwoman, I don't know, him and her having a fucking lover's retreat on a building. And then you had the 27 minutes they spent following each other around on motorbikes before they went their separate ways. And then I'm just like, oh my God, this movie won't end. I really legitimately felt the same as I did. Of, was it Return of the King? Isn't that the third Lord of the Rings, Justin? Yeah, Return of the King. I felt the same fucking way. They just kept going, all right, it's ending. Nope, here's the next ending, and here's the next one. And this is ending subpoint 2A. And I was like, fucking A, just end. And then they go through all this fucking shit, and they get to the point where they do an end. I will give them credit. They fucked everybody over if you stayed for the end credits. Because they gave you, like, the worst end credit scene ever. Of just the Riddler saying goodbye and then flashing a thing, and you go to a website and figure out a password just for them to be like, oh, we're going to have more Batman. You're like, oh, okay. Thanks for wasting my fucking time for that shit. <laughs> but also, okay, this is the last thing I really fucking harp on because it has to do with that ratala, the ratatouille thing or whatever the fuck that word was. Why did... Why was that such a hard word for everybody in Gotham? Everybody. They were like, oh, it's a rat with wings, which is also another word for a pigeon. But that's also another word for a bat. But then it took him like 27 minutes to realize that that was also a bat. But then when somebody went, oh, a stool pigeon, they said stool pigeon so much with that. No matter what, Bruce Wayne would just sit there and go, somebody would be like, oh, it's a this. And he'd go, or a stool pigeon. And they'd look at him and they'd be like, or a rat. He's like, yes, rat or stool pigeon. He just kept throwing stool pigeon in every fucking chance he got. It was like Batman got a Spanish word of the day calendar 
and he learned that that word was stool pigeon. So he was trying to figure out how many times that day he could use the word stool pigeon in a sentence. It was fucking weird. But also, like, they went, they, they were all like, and I know you were talking about how they went through the detective stuff with this, but some of those things were kind of fucking dumb because they're like, oh, a penguin has wings. Oh, this has wings or this has wings too. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're just naming shit with wings at this. You're not really figuring anything out. And also, why did everybody just take the translation like ad hominem when Alfred said it? Like, he was just like, oh, it means this, like a winged rat or whatever, you know, and something like that. And like, but nobody else Googled it at any point in it to learn that they were getting the gender word of it wrong. And it had to be the penguin to figure that out and everything. Like, it's just so yeah. weird that nobody would fucking Google anything in this universe. Like, you've got the bat computer and all this other shit and you can't fucking Google on a cell phone to just figure out. Because if you put El Ratatata or whatever in there, it would have gone nah burrow it's law and he would have gone oh well but also just how long it took anybody to think maybe they, he was talking about a bat like that was just that crazy too. how long that took yeah no that took forever fucking long and then it actually did still mean rat at one point i don't fucking like that's the, they went over so many different things i can't honestly remember what ultimately that culminated in other than oh yeah because they were like oh falcons have wings too I'm like, great guys. What, like they were like going through a things with wings book, just naming shit. Oh, penguins, bats, stool pigeons. Oh yeah. Falcons. Oh my God. I was so fucking just, I was just like getting antsy when they kept doing all that. Cause I was just frustrated. Oh, anyway. Oh no, Heather, you say some things now. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, some of that I definitely agree with too. Like, um, I don't know. Oh, but I do think one cool thing I will say about it is, did anybody else notice that they never really called him Batman except like once? Like it was written down on oh, the like envelope. They called and stuff. him Vengeance so many times. Yeah, yeah. But like he's never called Batman except I think for one time. I think it was maybe Gordon. I can't remember who it was. Well, but, the Riddler does. Or maybe it was it Riddler. Was Batman. He called himself the Batman. Um, oh, yeah, really? I mean, the Riddler does. But I get what you're saying that anybody that's not Gordon, him, or the Riddler, they all call him vengeance. Yeah. And I, I just kind of thought that was like a cool, like, different thing because in all the other movies you run around, they're like, Oh, it's Batman. It's Batman. All this stuff. Like he's not really named anything, you know what I mean? Except for, you know, when they ask him, who are you? And he says, vengeance, you know? And then, but I, I kind of just thought that was cool. You know, that it's like, they, they weren't calling him that. Like, I don't know. There was just kind of more of a darkness to that. Um, and I do actually, I think maybe the biggest issue is I think that the first, part or the first half of this movie was better than the latter half of the movie I guess I could say um because it just started out so strong and so like guns blazing you know what I mean like it just it starts right away with like going into the story of he's got it he's going to help the police figure this out and he's going to beat up these thugs and all these other things so it 
it, it kind of did grab me from the beginning. And I will say that about the movie. Um, and I do also like the entrance that Batman kind of made into this where he he literally comes from the shadows and then he comes forward and you see him. That was a really cool shot. And that was a really cool like way that they did the introduction to Batman. Um, and they really did make it like this looming haunting thing. If they see that, the, the bat signal, you know, like everybody that sees it, you know, it just, it, it felt like there was this very daunting thing about it, which was kind of cool because you don't really, I guess I, I haven't really seen in a movie where it looks like, or it feels like people are like afraid when they see that, you know what I mean? the way that they did it in this movie. And I think it really kind of set the stage for the type of like Batman. This was in this movie where, you know, people were going to fear him and, you know, you didn't want to be caught in his path. And I thought that was a really um, cool take on introducing who Batman is and like why you should be worried if he comes around to try and find you, you know? Um, So I thought that aspect of it was really cool. Um, I also did like that as part of his, um, you know, uniform costume, whatever you want to call it, he has contacts in, um, I think it's cool that the contacts do, you know, kind of record what he sees, but I also think that it was kind of smart because if I'm not mistaken, they kind of change his eye color too, right? Like they make his eyes a different color, which I think is kind of smart if you don't want people to know your identity then you're changing your eye color too like the one thing about your face they can see is your eyes and he changes the eye color with these contacts so i don't know i i feel like that was kind of smart to do it that way because if this if this is a guy who doesn't want people to know who he is like you would want to alter those things so people aren't suspecting you like you have blue eyes it could be you but no, like if, you know, or you have brown eyes, it could be you when he's like, no, I have blue eyes. Like it could be, I I think that was a really cool thing that they did with that. And I hadn't seen that in another Batman movie before. So though that was kind of interesting. Um, and I, but I do think there's just some things that they don't really clarify either. Like at the end of this movie, like Batman, he, he gets shot and whatever so many times. And like, he's down for the count. You think he's about to die. And then he just busts out this thing and puts it in his leg and it just reinvigorates him. Like, I feel like unless I missed it, they didn't really preface or explain what that was at any point. Did I miss that? Or did they not really explain what that was supposed to be? Um, to me, that is a reference to the comics. That is from okay. what it looked like. That was venom which is what Bane uses to be all super strong and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Because technically in the comics, before you are introduced to Bane and his use of Venom, Batman does use Venom every once in a while and actually kind of gets a little too addicted to it and has mm-hmm. to stop using it. But I think that that was a reference to that. And that's why it was kind of a bright glowing green, which is kind of okay. a visual trademark of the Venom, Venom compound. That's well, I just like going throughout the movie. I just was like, did I miss where they explain what's happening there? Because I, I just was kind of thrown off by it. I was like, what is that? Like what's making him like back to his like normal, I'm not even injured self. Like I just didn't know what that was. And I just kind of wish there was a little bit more explanation on 
what that was and what yeah. made him sort of and that's survive. fair. I think that that was meant to be more of an Easter egg type of thing, but I get what you're saying because you're not a comic yeah. book fan or anything like that. So a viewer like you is a little bit lost when he does stuff like that. Right. And it's fine. Like I'll accept if that's something that, you know, helps him, you know, heal and whatever it does for him. I just didn't know. So I'm like sitting there like, what is that? <laughs> like, I have no idea what this is. And I really thought maybe I missed something in the movie, but yeah. So just stuff like that, where I feel like it could either give more explanation or, and I do agree also about Alfred having that really great moment in this, in this film, but then it kind of just made me think about how there's no, like any of the moments where Batman is doing anything, he never really has those great lines of dialogue where he's being wise or deep or whatever it is. Like, I feel like all of the good lines kind of went to the other characters, um, which I think is part of why I'm still kind of hung up on the he didn't really seem to have much personality for me because he's also very quiet. He's very reserved. He's very he does. He's not a man of many words. <laughs> and and I do know that that was a choice that they made with this, but it's it just kind of I wish I had a way to feel like Batman was a little bit more relatable. And I think that's what I liked about like, I don't know, maybe I guess Christian Bale's Batman where you're just like, you see this man that like for all of his flaws or for you just basically you, you see like a man who's very broken and not together and torn up by so many things. And like, that's kind of why he thrives as Batman and you see his struggle with that. And I just don't really feel like I got that here. And again, I know it's a choice. I, I just feel like I wanted to connect more and relate more to this Batman because I'm I'm rooting for Pattinson as Batman. If they make more movies with him, I'm completely in because I truly do think that Robert Pattinson is a really good actor. Um, and I just think he had potential to do more with this first movie with Batman than he did. And if we get more, I'm sure that they'll kind of expand a little bit more onto those aspects of him. But yeah, I, that, I think maybe that is my biggest problem with it is it felt like I didn't connect with Batman as much as I did with some of the other characters. Like Catwoman kind of was, you, you felt like you did know her motivations. Like you said, Justin, like you, you knew what she was about. You knew what she was doing. She, you were just kind of following along with her as she was just a lot more relatable because she said more. She, she said more of like what she was feeling about things and you could see her emotions with you know, she's mad at Falcone and like all these things. You get a lot more of that from her in this movie than you do from Batman, um, at least in my opinion. So but yeah, I I don't know. There's just there's things where there was a lot more that they there was a lot more potential in this movie with certain things. And I just hope that they maybe explore them in other movies or something, because, um, yeah, I just they they could have maybe cleaned it up a little bit better or just made me a little bit more engaged with who Batman is and why I should care about what Batman's doing. Um, I did like the aspect of the parents. Like I know, yeah, Sterling, you knew that it was going to happen. Like they were going to talk about his parents. It was just going to be a thing, <laughs> but I do like this different take that they had on the story that they went with. Like, yeah, they did talk about his parents and what happened, but 
they made it a completely different thing than what I've heard his parents, uh, you know, being about. And I do like that they brought that into it because that did, while it's like, yeah, we've heard the story of Bruce Wayne and his parents so many times, this brought a new spin to it. And I did really like that. So there, there's really some great things they did with this movie, but then there's just other things that they fell short on. And um, it, it just, I wasn't, I wouldn't say like, I'm psyched about this Batman, but again, I think the tone of the movie, you're not really necessarily going to be psyched. You're just going to be like, Ooh, is he going to solve it? What's going to happen? Um, but also now that I think about it, I really liked the score of this movie. I thought it was really cool. Like the, the background, like music that they were doing, that is really a lot of what made it feel like that crime noir thing you know like that that soundtrack and that score that they're doing that is really kind of what gave it more of that vibe and I did appreciate that about this movie and it was constant it was like constant music throughout every scene that really just fit well with what was going on so I did like that as well that that kind of really um, solidified I guess the atmosphere that they were doing with this whole movie um, but again, yeah, I just, I, in the story of, you know, Batman and Catwoman and kind of their back and forth and their flirtatious thing, it's fun, but it really just kind of amounted to nothing here. <laughs> like, and that is unfortunate. Like it kind of like what you said, they just kind of go their separate ways and you see them, you know, riding off in other directions and, you know, it just, they, I, I just feel like they, they wanted to tease you with it, but not really do anything with it. And maybe that's the nature of their relationship, but it felt more obvious in this that it was like, oh, well, you did all that back and forth for nothing, though. Like, I hope that they, again, expand on that if they do future movies, because their dynamics was really good. You know, I really did like how they played off of each other. And, um, you know, she was a really good Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz really was very good. And she kind of owned it. And she really kind of steals the spotlight a lot in this movie in general. I think um, she brings to life more the scenes with her and Batman because the way that they do her personality in this is so different than the way they do his. So she just kind of stands out more sometimes. And again, like this is why I have conflicting feelings about this movie. Because <laughs> I'm like, I appreciate what they were trying to do with how they wrote these characters but I just part of me feels like it would have been a benefit to do them just a little differently just to open up a little bit more of the characters um but I digress I keep talking about that but um but yeah and I really man Alfred's moment was a great moment and yeah Andy Serkis you you need to have him in your movie more like I don't him and Colin Farrell were just really given it everything they had in this movie. <laughs> and I just wish they would have done more scenes with them or something. Um, I think it would have been cool if Penguin was the main villain of this movie. Not that, um, what was Falcone's name? What's his real name? He's great. Turturro. Oh, John Turturro. John Turturro. He's, he's great. He, he, he really is great. And he was a wonderful villain and he really owned that role and he played that to a T like he was fantastic. Nothing against him. I just feel like 
man, it just Colin Farrell left me wanting more of him or maybe the two of them together even would have been good. But it just, man, that was just, it, it was Colin Farrell's a good actor. That's just one of the best things I've ever seen him do though. Like you really legitimately do not know that that's him unless you know it's him. And just the way he was talking and his facial expressions and even the way he looked, obviously like so different, like you would not have known. And I just think they could have done a lot with that too. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Like there, again, there's some good and there's some bad as far as how they did this movie. And, and that's why I'm like, I definitely liked it more than I didn't like it. But some of those things I didn't like about it just it bums me out because I really wanted to be like, this is the greatest, you know, thing since Dark Knight, you know, so it, that wasn't the case. But it was still good what they did with it and the fact that they were even able to make it as creative of a story of Batman, considering how many Batman movies there are. I appreciate that, too. They made it a completely different story where you you're just not going to be able to compare the storyline itself really with the others because they do make it different enough to where you're still interested in what's going to happen. So, yeah. All right, Justin, what you got? All right. I'll start with some good and then kind of flow into what I thought was room for improvement, or I guess you could say bad. Um, First of all, the way that this movie begins is probably the most comic book Batman beginning to a movie that there's been so far, as far as like the live action movies. Like, I know that sometimes voiceover narration is sometimes looked down upon when, in some movies and stuff like that, because there's a tendency sometimes for the voiceover narration to not really add to what is happening on the screen, or they're narrating something that you can just see, or, you know, there are people that sometimes look down over voiceover narration, but, 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 but you comic book fans out there will know what I'm talking about. Like, didn't that just feel like opening up a Batman comic when you first started off, like him talking about Gotham city and his relationship to it, how he feels about it, how he's been doing this job and he's manipulating these people and trying to impose fear on all these criminals and how, you know, they think I'm in the shadows, but I am the shadows. That was so incredibly well done. That was like, yeah, that was good. A chef's kiss scene in this movie. Like as far as just, the score of it, Batman talking about Gotham City and what he's trying to do and what he's doing. No other live action Batman movie has ever started like that. And that's how a lot of Batman comics start. So I really appreciated that. You know, it was like I was opening up one of his stories and reading him because that's normally how it is. Batman is in his head a lot. He's always analyzing things and he's very very brainy despite what we often get in like the mainstream stuff and 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 don't get me wrong the mainstream stuff that we get where batman is kind of this playboy millionaire bruce wayne over here and then he's the dark batman over here it's more entertaining i will give you that it makes for a more entertaining movie but 
I mean, but to me, it's more realistic for him to have to grow into that. To me, it doesn't it doesn't make as much sense for him to just be like that. I, I like the the challenge that this film seemed to be taken on of showing a Batman that has to grow into something like that. He has to come to appreciate that. So I, you know, Heather pointed out that he was called vengeance in this movie. I love that because it wasn't just a cool thing to call him. It's a testament to what the work that he had done for that two years up to this point. He was trying to build, make everybody fear him. He was talking about vengeance and his only vehicle was I got to instill fear. I got to instill fear. It's going to make people, um, it's going to make these criminals scared of me and everything like that. And to some extent, he had succeeded. You know, the bad signal goes up. People are looking at the shadows. And that was great. You're talking about lingering shots as it being a detriment. I love some of those shots of criminals looking into the shadows and thinking that he's there and the camera just kind of lingering uncomfortably long. Like, is he going to come out? Is he going to come out? And you almost felt like the criminal in those moments. Like, oh, is he going to emerge from there? And then nothing happens or a car almost hits a guy or something like that. And then when he finally did walk out, um, Somebody on one of my uh, chats talked about the sound mixing and the sound editing in this. The the sound of his boots hitting the hitting the canvas whenever he was coming out of the shadows, and the and the sound of those boots just getting louder and louder as he emerged, and then him kind of walking out of the darkness, not trying to take anybody by surprise, not trying to be strategic like a more mature Batman, him just walking out like, yeah, you're scared of me. And I mean, you know, it's about to go down and I'm about to Batman your ass up. I think not only did that speak to kind of the inexperience of this Batman, but it also spoke to kind of the overconfidence, the the youth and the inexperience of this Batman. Like, the way that he operated and did business did feel like how Batman would probably be starting off. Oh, I'm going to scare all these people into doing the right thing. And I love how it wasn't working. Crime was just skyrocketing up. He didn't feel like he was making as big of a difference as he should have been. He didn't feel like he was really solving the, the Gotham problem. And so there's this whole conundrum with him in this movie of what am I doing wrong? What, why is what I'm doing not having an impact on Gotham city? And to me, that was nothing like these other movies where it's kind of like, I, I don't know if any of the other movies ever kind of approached the character that way. Like they ever kind of talked about him kind of questioning his methods and what he's doing and is he doing the right thing and everything like that. You know, normally we we get the, we get the whole thing of Batman kind of knows what he's doing. We know he's doing the right thing. We know that he's um, going to do the right thing. And that part is kind of established so that we can do something else with the narrative. I love the arc. This is my favorite Batman arc. Him starting off as thinking that he needs to just be about fear and scaring Gotham straight. And then him ultimately coming to the conclusion that 
the way I was doing it was wrong. This is not how I'm going to make Gotham a better place. I got to become a symbol of something bigger than that. It can't just be all about vengeance and just beating people's ass and just doing all of that. I've got to be a symbol of hope. And so those scenes where he's helping people um, whenever Gotham floods and all of that stuff, that really resonated with me. I really appreciated that. I really appreciated where he arrived. And that's why whenever people are kind of critiquing the way that Bruce Wayne was in this, um, I told another person this and I'll repeat it here. It was the right Bruce Wayne slash Batman for this narrative, because if you have this Batman who is consumed with being Batman, he's on the streets all the time, which is another reason why I think most of this movie took place at night. He was hardly ever Bruce Wayne. We hardly ever saw him trying to do anything as Bruce Wayne, because this is a this was a Bruce Wayne that was so consumed with being Batman, so consumed with instilling vengeance and being out there on the streets. He didn't even see the Bruce Wayne role as significant in this movie. You know, and there were plenty of scenes of that. Alfred trying to get him to attend these meetings. And what about the Wayne legacy? You know, you got to make these appearances and him being like, man, you know, scoffing at Alfred, man, I don't have time for this, Alfred. I don't have time for doing that. What I'm doing over here is going to build my family's legacy. So I, I liked all of that. I understood that he could not be the entertaining, whimsical boy, um, you know, the, 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 the playboy Bruce Wayne, because it wouldn't make any sense for this Bruce Wayne to be that in this moment. He had been, you know, with him just two years in and him so fixated on, I got to be on the street. I got to be out at night. I got to be this Batman. It makes sense that he could not just turn that off and be this other Bruce Wayne it, for this particular movie. He didn't see the significance of it yet. So I think that was also why most of this movie takes place at night where it is, because that's what he was doing. That's what he was consumed with. That was the work that he was, even whenever um, Bruce was going to that funeral for that captain, he was like, man, the only reason why I'm even making an appearance at this is because I think that the Riddler will be here because serial killers often return to, you know, scenes of the crime or to see their victims and stuff like that. So even in that scene where he was just, where he just had to be Bruce Wayne to attend that uh, funeral or whatever, he's sort of having to, in his mind, make himself, he's justifying being Bruce Wayne. And, and you know, that's that's a, a, a side of Batman. That's a Batman that I really haven't seen um, on screen. So I thought that, so I appreciated this. I appreciated the journey that the character went on. Um, and like I said, all the detective stuff I was cool with, like all of these like grisly murder scenes and the way that Riddler would kind of do these bodies. It felt like very reminiscent of something like in seven or some of these like extravagant serial killers, how they leave bodies and their clues and stuff like that. And I love, and some of my favorite parts of the movie was just the back and forth with him and Commissioner Gordon trying to figure this stuff out, going back and forth, going, well, what do you think about this? Or Batman solving the riddle and then them thinking they're closer, but really not. 
And I like how sometimes they didn't always solve the riddle, like that El Rata thing that you guys were talking about. I didn't see it so much as an annoyance. I just kind of saw it as an oversight because they are human beings. Batman shouldn't get every riddle right every time. The Commissioner Gordon and him shouldn't be able to just figure everything out every time. And I liked how sometimes the Riddler's puzzle was this big, complex thing. And other times it was just this simple thing. If they had just got the L right, you could have put together that it was URL and he was actually telling them to go to a website. But I liked how there were those simple things like that or the joke early in the movie with the thumb drive. He cuts the guy's thumb off and sticks it to a drive like little kind of funny things that are kind of reminiscent of Riddler, that kind of funny, but in a smart way kind of thing. I liked all of that. I liked kind of um, all of those different things that they were doing with the Riddler and the clues and how Batman and Gordon were trying to um, unravel this thing. Another cool thing about the whole Bruce Wayne dynamic was, is that this Batman, you could tell that he just wasn't even realizing how significant um, making his Bruce Wayne, his other half a part of this is because you could see the difference in how people treated him. Like the, like I also loved in this movie, how when Batman came to crime scenes, the cops didn't like him. You know, the cops are like, man, you know, they weren't cool with Gordon kind of siding with him and using him to help and everything like that. This Batman hasn't earned that. You know, he hasn't really earned that kind of respect among some of the cops. And, you know, normally it's kind of half and half or there might be a cop like Bullock or somebody who just kind of doesn't trust Batman. But something happens and he winds up kind of, you know, they've had a similar dynamic. But I like how the cops kind of treated him in this. But what was cool was that when that same cop saw Bruce Wayne, he was like, oh, look, it's Bruce Wayne and had a big smile on his face and everything like that. And I think these were things that like this Bruce Wayne, this Batman didn't even notice. Or like when he tries to infiltrate the club the first time and he's Batman and he's like, do you know who I am? And they're like, man, well, yeah, we know who you are, man. You're not getting it here. And he kind of had to fight his way in that club. Then he goes again as Bruce Wayne and he's like, do you know who I am? Uh, You know, and they're like, yeah, you're Bruce Wayne. Come right in. Like, and what was amazing to me is that you could see like these moments where maybe if he had attacked this as his Bruce Wayne persona, he might have had an easier time. But this is a Batman that hasn't put that together. But I think he does by the end of the movie just by the ending that they gave us. So I think in the later installments, we will see him embrace his Bruce Wayne persona more, but this was definitely the right Bruce Wayne with the right mindset for what this narrative need to be. He needed to be this Batman failing because he thinks it's all about what he's doing on the streets and realize that, nope, it's your connecting with people. It's doing that part of the work, too, that ultimately that's what makes you a superhero. That's what makes you something for people to look up to and stuff like that. And so I think it all came together very well with with his journey and everything like that. Um, you guys talked a lot about Catwoman and Zoe Kravitz and everything. And yeah, you know, like we said, 
She had an arc in this movie. She had a story in this movie. I like the back and forth with her and Batman and the will she or won't she. Is she really on his side? Is she's not? That's that is their relationship. And a lot of times in Batman stories, they don't wind up like together together. She kind of does wind up going on doing her own thing. And Batman, of course, he is beholden to Gotham City. So I mean, so I liked kind of where they left that too. And I mean, I got a feeling, I mean, obviously she'll she'll be back. She'll be back in later movies and stuff like that. And I'm sure they'll do more with Catwoman. I don't think that this is the last we've seen of her, but that very but that very much is the Batman uh Catwoman dynamic. So I think they really nailed that. I think that they um really captured the essence of what their relationship is. Everything from the sexual tension to the back and forth, to kind of the morality that Catwoman has versus what Batman has and everything like that. But in the end, I really thought that it worked. Um, Her being um, Carmine's daughter was interesting. I mean, I get what you're kind of saying, Sterling, with why did, did she have to have that connection in order for this to be as effective as it was maybe not maybe she already had the girlfriend the friend that she was staying with that she was trying to get out of town and they stole the passport blah 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 and that kind of all started the whole thing with Catwoman you probably could have just kept it with that you may not have needed to have her be the 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 daughter of Carmine and everything like that you, you know did it give it a connecting piece yes was it a necessary piece I think there's some room to argue that you probably didn't need that. The connection could have just been the friend that was killed and she could have been consumed to get revenge for that. And that could have kept her in the storyline without necessarily her being uh, that connected. Um, The the stuff with Bruce Wayne and his parents. um, I, I think that my biggest fear was seeing another scene where they get shot, you know, in an alleyway or something like that. I think if you're going to have Bruce Wayne's parents, then at least try to do something different with it. Try to tell a more interesting story with it. Try to make it tie into the story some kind of way other than, well, they died and that's the reason why he's Batman. We know that. So I'm glad that the movie didn't do that, but they found other ways to kind of show you that. Like, when um l- like the opening murder for that guy that was running for governor at the beginning of the movie and his kid is kind of left to kind of deal with that death and there's that long shot of batman just looking at that kid and without pattinson saying anything without you having to hear a monologue or anything like that you understood that batman knew what that kid was going through so A lot was done. And that's another thing about this Batman. He didn't speak a lot. He was kind of short and sweet. And he kind of kept the speaking to a minimum, which is more like a a lot of times the Batman I read in stories and stuff like that. That very much is another kind of character trait of the, the Batman that I'm used to reading. He doesn't say a lot. He's usually pretty direct. It's, he's usually pretty, you know, most of when he's talking, he's talking in his head. And that's because he's a, a very much a loner. He's very much kind of 
this person who is constantly kind of having these conversations in his head. So I was kind of cool with the short and sweet, kind of quick to talk Batman. I think it kind of worked for this movie and what it, and, and what it was. Um, the last thing I'll say in the good category is just the Riddler. Um, I think everything that Paul Dano did with him was great, but I like this narrative of the Riddler. And I think that in a lot of ways, the Riddler is, was kind of in this movie, like what Batman would be like if he just had no morals, you know, he was orphaned because of some sort of injustices that happened in Gotham city. And what does he do? He decides that he's going to clean up Gotham and get rid of the criminals and everything like that. So he puts on a costume and he decides to go around systematically killing everybody who is corrupt or responsible for what he feels is the fall of Gotham city. So this is very much like what Batman would be, I guess, if like Peacemaker got his way or all those people that were like, Oh, you know, Peacemaker was right about Batman. Well, this is what Batman would be. This was a great illustration of what Batman would probably be. He would be like what the Riddler was just kind of, killing everybody that was corrupt and trying to do his own, do his own way of cleaning up Gotham. So I liked this Riddler in this. I think it was a good kind of dichotomy to Batman's code and his morals and everything like that, because you had somebody literally just killing all of the criminals. And so I think it made for a good um, antithesis of Batman in this movie. Um, now to some of the things that I didn't like. Yeah, I agree the ending, I think you could have cut some of those scenes, especially the scene where Riddler's in jail and the Joker is there and they're having that conversation. I don't think the movie really needed that at all. I would have much rather just a quick scene of Riddler just being disappointed that Batman saved these lives and was looked at as kind of this hero. I would have just ended with him wailing in Arkham Asylum. I don't even think you needed to have Joker or them have a conversation or anything like that. I would have just cut all of that. And that could have been in the bonus features or something. You know what that ties into is they actually filmed a scene where Batman goes to Arkham to talk to the Joker because he had already caught a version of the Joker, this proto Joker, if you will, like before he's Joker Joker. And he goes to talk to him a la like a Hannibal Lecter type of situation goes to Arkham to ask him questions as to like what kind of person this is and all kinds of stuff. And then if they had kept that scene, that would have made more sense at the end, but they didn't. So you're absolutely right, Justin, you cut that scene. And I think part of it also was, is they did cast that guy as the Joker. So they wanted to keep something of his in the movie, you know, Okay. That's the guy yeah, I was played, trying okay. to figure out who that was. That's the and guy then that played I realized it was that in internals. Barry, yeah, Barry Keoghan, the guy, yeah, Druig from the inter- the Eternals. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not upset with that choice, but I don't know if it's a choice that needs to be happened at all. But <laughs> yeah, like I think you had set up enough. You got Batman to a place where he kind of changed his mindset and was going to approach Gotham differently. 
you set up the penguin as probably going to be the next big bad mob boss. He sort of emerged at the end of that as looking like he was going to be the next big bad that Batman is going to have to contend with. So I was cool with all of that. I liked sort of the penguin not being it as much, but his scenes were impactful enough. Like him being the main part of that car chase scene was good. The scene that he has with Gordon and Batman, where he kind of tells them about the L that they were missing. I thought it was a good scene. I I really thought that Colin Farrell brought it in this. And I'm excited to see him as like the, one of the big bats of Batman, which it might just wind up being more than one person. But I feel like, the way the the way the movie ended, it sort of set him up in a position to try to take advantage of Gotham and Gotham is flooded and all this stuff is going on. And, and I hope that in the second movie, they don't just forget about that. I hope that when the second movie opens, like Gotham is dry now and everything is OK. I kind of want to see this flooded Gotham and chaos and Batman trying to deal with that. and. Penguin trying to establish his power and will or will not Catwoman come back and get involved and how is Batman going to approach this now and what what is he is is he going to embrace that Bruce Wayne side of himself there is potential for a great second movie where Gotham is flooded and all this craziness is happening and I really really hope that they do that because that is so infinitely interesting to me. Like this dark flooded Gotham and dead bodies floating around and Batman having to do some stuff. That would be a really interesting uh, movie. So I hope that the second, like I said, I just really hope that they don't just forget about all that. And they're like, well, several years have passed and now here we are. I really hope we start kind of where this movie ends, you know, with some of that stuff. Um, I mean, other than that, like, I mean, I, I just didn't really see, I, I just really think the ending was just what really kind of drags this movie a little bit. I just think, I think there were some things great about it, but just the extra scenes, some of the Easter eggs, I just don't know if you needed them. Um, I just think that that's what really ultimately hurts this. And I do agree that it was too long. And maybe if you had cut some of those scenes that we're talking about, if you had just sort of maybe gave it a better pace and flow, I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily say the flow was problematic, but maybe there was a way to make it feel um, like it was going a little bit faster. And it's why for those reasons, I can't say it's the best Batman movie, though there are elements in this that I think are more Batman than any of the other Batman movies. It's not the best one because, man, the Dark Knight just flows, man. The Dark Knight, just every scene just seemed like um, like it fit where it was. You know, the Dark Knight has iconic lines, too. It's not just the Heath Ledger performance. There are just scenes in The Dark Knight that you remember, like that opening robbery scene or some of those lines like, you know, he's not the hero that we deserve, but he's the hero that we need right now. Or that one line, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Like there are like 
iconic lines in The Dark Knight. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not just Heath Ledger's performance. It's not just what the Joker was doing and all of that stuff, but there are just like very memorable, like iconic things in that movie. And this one, time will tell. I do think the beginning of this movie is iconic to me. I think it will. I think over time, that beginning with the shadows and all of that stuff and the monologue, I think that will stand the test of time. Um, That was definitely one of the best parts, in my opinion, too, of the movie. Yeah. Well, one of the things that flow wise, I think that they could have cut out of this movie in general is every time that they decided to show Batman travel in real time in traffic across Gotham on his motorcycle. They did that so many times. And it, like I said, it felt like it was real time. Like it just like, Oh, it's going to take him seven minutes to drive from this part of Gotham to the next. And so they showed him driving for seven minutes. It's like, I'm not, they didn't literally do that, but that's what it felt like. And then that long fucking thing at the end with him and and Catwoman, they already had the scene showing that they're going to go their separate ways. You where they talked about it. You didn't have to visually then show them travel through like 90% of Gotham just to take two different forks in the road. They just talked about it. They didn't have to show it like that. You know, one thing I will say that you pointed out, Justin, that actually kind of makes me not like this movie a little more is part of the opening where they actually kind of did Batman's origin story, but technically for that little kid that walked in and found his father dead. Now that I think about it, I'm like, fucking A, that is the origin story. He walked in on his dead dad. It's the same shit again. They did it to me, but they snuck it in. They showed it, but didn't. (laughs) The funny thing is you say that. I thought we were looking at the Waynes. I thought that's what it was. When I first saw it it too, I was like, you're starting with this, you fucking assholes. (laughs) I was fucking sitting there irate until it was like, Oh, fuck. At least that's the Riddler. Okay, good. Yeah. Like, I was like, really? Are we going to see them die right here? Like, I was like, are we really going to see the Wades die right here? I thought thought the same thing, dude. And then when it was Riddler, I was like, oh, okay. And I thought, okay, that was kind of tight. They had to have done that on purpose. Yeah. I thought (laughs) they were about to say, hey, let's get ready to go watch Zorro. Go change into your clothes, Bruce. And then he was going to go change and then we were going to watch him just die. I really thought that's what I exactly thought. I was like, man, (laughs) they're just opening with, they're not even trying to hide it. And they did try to hide it and they did. And you pointed it out to me. Now I'm mad. (laughs) Well, Well, you're welcome for that. I feel like I forget something. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I feel like what I'm getting from this whole thing is you definitely like read the comics and stuff like that. Like, I feel like you appreciate a lot more of this movie because you've seen this Batman before, you know, and you've read this Batman before. And for me, I haven't really, like I literally am basing everything off of just the movies of Batman that I've seen or the cartoon of Batman that I've seen. Like I haven't read the comics. So to you, a lot of these things make sense of how he's portrayed and the things he's doing. So for me, it just sounds like because I didn't read the comics, that's why I don't appreciate this Batman as much as maybe I I should. But it, it is interesting, though, because hearing what you're saying, I'm like, oh, OK, well, it makes more sense why they're doing it that way in the movie. But I just I don't have that perspective because I haven't 
seen this Batman before. So it comes off a little like confusing. You have to kind of figure it out a little bit because I don't have that background, you know? Well, that's a valid point. And I mean, and it's just that I think that the double-edged sword of it is, is that, you know, it's just the narrative versus like, I guess, style preference argument. Like, I think on one end, they wanted to do it Batman different from the other movies. And I think that they accomplished that for the most part. He is different enough. His arc and his journey is different in this. And his mindset is a little different because they made him younger and he's just been two years being Batman. But the flip side of that is, is that he's just not going to be as entertaining. You know, and I think that that's just the double-edged sword of it. This Batman is not going to be as entertaining in that way. He's not going to have the quips. He's not going to be as quippy. He's not going to have the interactions with the women and stuff like that. He hasn't gotten to the place where I'm going to use this billionaire Bruce Wayne persona as a cover for me to do other things. Like that was a great scene in the dark night where he's on the boat with all the supermodels and you know, it's a, you know, and then the news reporters are like, oh man, look at Bruce Wayne, just being Bruce Wayne. And then he dives off the boat and goes to a foreign country to get that guy, whatever, you know, which was another just fantastic scene in the dark night. This is making me want to watch the dark night anyway. Um, well, I have a question. That's going to be, I think that's going to be a lot of people's problem with this. He's just not going to be as entertaining as Bruce Wayne. He's just not. And in this movie, he wasn't. I mean, I can admit that he was sad most of the time and down and beaten up and just frustrated. And he just couldn't understand why what he was doing wasn't working. But even though that it was not as entertaining to me, it felt real, more real and more grounded. And it felt like a place where this character would have to be before he gets to the lovable Bruce Wayne that um, we all know and love. So I would just say, I get what you're saying, but I'm hoping that he, that he will grow on you. Just don't, don't give up on him yet. I promise he will be more like probably the Wayne that you know, in the second movie, he'll grow on you. You know, I don't know if he will, if he, if you get the Batman you want, Justin, because if it takes place right after there's still more adjustment period before he's that Bruce Wayne. So it might actually take a little bit. It might be the third movie. If we get, if you get the Batman you want, it might be the third movie before he's Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Man, you could be right about that, but yeah. maybe there could be some funny bits like him kind of awkwardly trying to, I want to see him uncomfortably trying to be the Bruce Wayne persona, but maybe. failing or like, well, you know, trying to figure it out, but not, and maybe Alfred kind of helping him with that. And maybe you get kind of some funny scenes with that. Maybe Alfred, that that's what I forgot to say earlier. Alfred mentioned that he taught him how to fight in this movie. It would have been nice to have maybe seen some of that. Like, like them doing a practice barring. Yeah. Yeah, like him thinking back, you know, like you could have that could have gave Andy Circus an extra scene or something like that. Since he said since now in this one, he taught him how to fight. It would have been cool to kind of see Alfred teaching Bruce fisticuffs. 
you know, yeah, could have given him another scene. As movie wise, this is the youngest Alfred we've ever got in a movie. I think the one technically in Gotham was younger, or the, in the show they did the the Pennyworth show. Yeah, that's a younger one. But yeah, this is the youngest cinematic Alfred we got. So it would have been nice if they played into that more. Yeah. Yeah. He could have been a little more reserved because he was still very much acting like just the, the, the grandparents, parents ish type of person. But maybe if he was a little, I hate to say hip that that doesn't seem like Alfred either, but you know what I mean? Like he could have been a little more energetic, kind of like how May was. In the Spider in, in oh, the yeah, Tom Island Spider Man, you you know, youth them up a little bit. Yeah, give us sexy Alfred. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. I'm down. It's Andy Circus. I think he's a, a non traditionally, but still kind of attractive man. I get it. I'm very much attracted to him, and I don't know why. So I get it. You want sexy Alfred? I'm there. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Just you know. <laughs> You know, dress him up a little bit. You know, we can maybe now, you know, maybe in this movie he gets out of the hospital bed. You know, maybe he'll we'll, we'll get a, a sexier Alfred and him trying to say, hey, Bruce, man, you got to you got to you got to embrace this Bruce dog. You got to embrace this Bruce. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like he hardly ever even went out as Bruce Wayne. Like they were so surprised to see him at their funeral. They were like, hey, Bruce, you're alive. <laughs> hey, man. And he's just kind of like. Yeah, fuck off. But I don't know. I, I just think even though that's less entertaining, it feels right for right now. But yeah, he does need to grow from that. You know, I don't want to see that again. You know, I think one movie is enough of that. I'd like to see a progression, you know, and now, I think we will. Now, I have a question for you guys. About Batman. Not specifically this Batman, but Batman in general. Do you think that the popularity of Batman may or may not take a hit just due to the ongoing social progression about our criminal justice system and the way we handle criminals and policing and stuff like that? Not to put a definitive side on it or anything like that, but... When you have a lot of people in our country that are upset with the way that like police may overuse force in instances or the in general instances where our criminal justice system might infringe on our like personal rights when it comes to stuff. Do you think people are going to start having a problem with Batman always doing that? Because if you think about it in, in any Batman comic or anything like that, for the most part, we just accept Batman's morality as to whether or not him beating up people is justified, whether or not him breaking into somebody's house or lair or anything like that and violating their constitutional rights and whether or not that's okay. You know, and we just accept it. Like he beats people up and they they come and arrest him, and it's like, yep, they're going to jail because they did it because Batman stopped them. Mm. Do you think that might become a factor when it comes to stuff like this? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's true. No, that's a very good point. And you're already starting to see a lot of that. I see, I've seen memes a lot kind of saying the same things about Batman or people will, or I'll, or I'll like, 
listen to rants on YouTube or whatever about Batman and people are talking about, man, he just beats up poor people and (laughs) he just, all he does is go out on the streets and beat up on poor people and stuff like that who just don't have any money like he does and they turn to crime. I want to say that Kermit, that Kermit the Frog TikTok I sent y'all, Kermit says that in the song. He says, you know, oh, it's time for another Batman movie. And I think there was a part where he literally said he just beats up on the poor who don't have money like him. And, you know, and they've turned to crime as their only answer. So I think it could take a hit if you continue to do Batman the same way. I think you're going to have to tell Batman stories that attack this issue. Like you're going to have to have him confront it in some sort of way. I don't know what you could do um, to necessarily. I, I don't know. I mean, he's still going to have to beat people up though. He's still going to have to like, you do still his just gonna go beat up thugs, man. Like, and that's the thing is it's always, we just accept that what he says is essentially the law. He is very much a judge dread type in Gotham, you know, and we've always, and we've always just accepted that in Batman because it's like, Oh, well it's Batman. You know, he's just obviously doing the right thing, but is it right to violate people's constitutional rights on a nightly fucking basis? And that the criminal justice system in Gotham goes, yeah, that's how we roll. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great point. No, it it really is a great point. Like his stories, and I think it's just going to have to mature with that. It's going to have to evolve and change with what we're seeing. And I mean, if anything, this movie might have been the first step to that. Like because he very much starts off as a guy that's just out on the streets beating people up, instilling fear in people. And he's like bragging. He's at the beginning of the movie. He's proud of the fact that, oh, look at all these criminals. They're scared of me. They think I'm in the shadows. I'm the shadows. He's really like very braggadocious about how, look at me, I'm on the streets beating ass. And then by the end of the movie, he kind of goes, man, you know what? This street stuff I'm doing, helping people, (laughs) showing myself to the actual citizens and helping them and actually contributing my time to just save people rather than just beat ass and instill fear is what I really should be doing. So in some ways, this might be the more mature, the most mature like resolve that the character has had. It's still not where it needs to be. Don't get me wrong. He was still like, like you said, violating this and that all over the place, you know, um, which is why some of the cops having a problem with him was sort was sort of justified. Like, yeah, well, who the hell is he? Like, like what is he doing? Like, why? Well, what about change, chain of custody? He's like, well, he's wearing gloves, motherfucker. That doesn't mean he's allowed to handle evidence. Still, though, yeah, exactly. Still not admissible like that court. kind of stuff. But you're right, dude. Um, he his popularity could take a hit. In some ways, it probably already has. You know what I mean? Um. But I think the stories are going to have to mature. They're going to have to. You're going to have to find a way to address some of those things and tell those kinds of stories as well. You know? Oh, exactly. I mean, the one thing is that I'll say that the only way for Batman to actually become responsible and to legitimately help Gotham, and I think it's the funny irony of Batman, 
would actually to be stop being Batman. It would be Bruce Wayne and go, look, I'm just going to actually start, you know, we're going to do the things that statistically stop crime, which is oddly enough, not policing and not, you know, being a vigilante. It's education. It's job opportunities. It's housing. It's food sustainability. He has billions of dollars. He could fix Gotham in a month if he wanted to. If you just went and got like, look, we're going to give people housing. We're going to fix up these schools. We're going to, you know, we're going to open up uh, businesses. We're going to help people get business loans. We're going to do this and that and this and that and all this stuff. He could fix Gotham so fucking fast. Like, yeah, that's the funny, ironic thing about Batman that I get in the 1930s. The concept was like, yeah, you stop crime by, you know, beating up the criminals. But like now that we know inherently, like, what are the causes of crime rates going up and all this other stuff? Like, it's like you said, he's like, oh, I'm beating up all these people, but crime rates going up. And it's like, yeah, because you're not addressing any of the socioeconomic issues that lead to crime. (laughs) Being a criminal is not what leads to crime. Like. <laughs> Definitely. And just like the woman, um, the, the governor elect oh, that yeah, was that talking to him. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I like her. And she was like, Bruce, why aren't you doing more? There's so much more that you could be doing. There's so much more that you could be doing to help the community. And you're not doing it. Like, where are you? You won't return my cause. You could really be a pillar in this community, but you're not doing it. And he just sort of ignore that but it's kind of the you know that's what he should be doing though you know so like i said in a lot of ways this movie is one of the more mature storylines of him because at least in some ways it's addressing his methodology and should he be doing things a little bit different and that and that's and it's got to keep pushing that though this didn't push it enough but it gave it a little nudge. There was budges, but hopefully these stories with Batman continue to go that direction, you know? Yeah. And one thing also that I do have a problem with the end, one last thing, is it's the ending flood scene when they're on the convention center after they kill all the shooters or beat up all the shooters, I should say. Everybody was just kind of passively standing there waiting for Batman to start saving people. Like that, the mayor and that little boy are trapped under that pillar and shit, and everybody's just standing there. Nobody's walking over there to help. They're just like, oh, look, let's watch Batman do this. Like, it really felt like LeBron back in the day with the Cleveland Cavaliers when they would just all watch him score instead of actually fucking playing basketball themselves. It was just more of that shit. They're just all (laughs) passively standing there waiting on him to fucking do something. Like, come on, guys, there's so many people there. And then, like, on top of that, all the cops, too. Like, there's these shooters at the fucking thing. All the cops are staying. None of the cops are even shooting back at these fuckers. Like, no one's trying to stop these shooters. It was kind of ridiculous. (laughs) I, I, I don't remember any cops shooting back at them. I do not remember any cops. So I think you're right about that. Now, the other scene, to be fair, he knocked out the electricity when he cut that power cord. So I'm thinking it was dark because Batman had a flare. Now, where the flare came from or where he had, he's he kind of 
in some ways, uh, he sort of had like, they were kind of back to the 60s with some of the gadgets he chose to have and didn't have in this movie. But um, he did make he sure did he had ignite the that flare so that he could guide them. So I guess it was too dark. Maybe that's why they weren't moving. I don't know. But I think I'm going to say it was dark. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. No, but you're right. I don't remember any cops fighting the, uh, the terrorists. They've been trapped down there the whole time before he did that shit. I'm just. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like. But anyway, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done too. Heather, you got anything left for this Batman? No, I think that's it. I'm done too. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook, where Cinema Slayers podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where we're cinema underscore slayers, uh, Cinema Slayers pod on, uh, on the TikTok. And also, this will be the first episode. So if you haven't noticed this yet, if you go to youtube.com slash cinema slayers podcast, you will see an audio version of this uh, particular episode that will be up. And then on top of that, this is, I guess, as good as time as any to announce uh, episode 200. We will start doing video podcasts also up on YouTube. So you'll be able to see our lovely faces while we talk about our movies and you'll be able to see the stupid little dances like Justin's doing right now whilst we do this. So episode 200, look for that. We will be doing video podcasts from that point on also. So, but from now until then, we will be doing audio only on YouTube. Just kind of getting it ready. And then episode 200, bam, our faces will be there. And you'll be able to also see my cats as they interrupt me while I'm podcasting. So... That'll be fun. But uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because uh, mothers like Robert Pattinson. I don't know if you knew that. They do. And I get it. He's a fantastic actor. He gets a lot of yeah. you know flack for, uh, for Twilight. And I don't know if that's justifiably so. Or, yeah, I don't. But either way... He even commented on an interview somewhere where he's like, it's not even cool to make fun of Twilight anymore. And I'm like, that's fair. Like, it shouldn't be. That's so long ago. Get over it, people. Yeah. Like, and especially like, don't hold it against him now. The guy is a great actor. He does some good yeah. shit. Yeah. So does Kristen Stewart. Uh, Taylor Lautner, maybe not. Yeah. But other people do. You know, other people from those movies do good shit. So, you know, let's just move past it. And, um, as I was in the podcast and yeah. and the TikToks, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Come up with a gimmick to do on video for this podcast. Right. Are you ready? Yeah. Cinema Slayers. Oh, you know what? There was a funny meme. Speaking of Robert Pattinson, I saw this meme and it was funny. I'll just end it with this. It was a Batman meme. You know that meme where he's laying on the bed and he's caressing a picture and then in the second picture it shows like what the picture is. What he's looking at or whatever. Well, it was funny because like, it's, so it's got that Batman meme and it says early 
2000s, like during the time of Twilight, and somebody had drew like some hair on Batman to represent a girl, and he's caressing the picture of Robert Pattinson. And then it goes 2022 guys now, and it's Batman's caressing the same picture of Robert Pattinson. So kind of saying like, you know, I guess girls were um, all on his nuts then, but now guys are all on his nuts because he's playing Batman and they like the movie. So it was just a funny meme, I thought was interesting. That's pretty good. This is also 2022. Guys can be on his nuts for Twilight too. And girls can be on his nuts for Batman. <laughs> there you go. True. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. All right. I'm out. But it was tight. <laughs>